Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you for listening. Have you ever heard of the Defenders of Wildlife? The other day they asked me for a $5 donation to save something wild. Perhaps, have you thought about this? Perhaps we should be resigned to the fact that for hundreds of millions of years, life on this planet has continually changed. No matter what they tell you in Texas, 
man's contribution to global warming was not responsible for the demise of the dinosaurs. Although we certainly wiped out the woolly mammoth, the dodo, and who knows what else. Now, yes, yes, I personally think it's too bad when some species of animal or bird is eliminated by hunters or the destruction of its habitat. But you might want to stick your head in a hole and hide if you're bothered by the elimination of moose or lobsters. Before we have time to elect an, another governor in Maine, that sort of thing will probably be mandatory. Now, we all, by that I mean the guys in the band, my trio, myself, and you, we all love Count Basie, right? Is anybody that doesn't love Count Basie? So what we would like to do right now, ladies and gentlemen, is a little segment of music, some tunes that are very much identified with the great, late Count Basie. You, you're driving me crazy. Wait, wait, later, later, okay. What did I do? I'll need you later. What did I do to you? Oh, mama, I got tears for you. Make everything hazy, cloudy. The skies are blue. How true were the friends who were near me to cheer me? Believe me, they knew. But you were the kind who would hurt me, desert me when I needed you. Now everybody called him sweets He played with Basie in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s Boy, he produced some mean trumpet feats He went boo-ba-doo-dee-doo He went shoo-ba-doo-dee-doo 
by Mel Torme for 10 cents at a lawn sale. I gave it to my buddy Doc Reed who over the years has given me so many, many things. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. You might know that. Last night I weighed in at 140 pounds. It is not necessary to diet to lose weight to get down to 140 pounds. All you have to do is stop eating sweets and junk food. And I am not talking about everything in moderation here. No sweets. Nothing. Ever. Never. Not for special occasions. You know how they beg you, oh, just have one. It's a special occasion. Not for anyone or anything. Do you eat one piece of cake, a cookie, a dish of ice cream for years and years? This is one of the things that everyone knows, but nobody wants to believe. Oh, I'll just have one cookie as it's a special occasion. None of that. Did you know that just in the United States of America in the past six months, people have spent over $32 billion on weight loss programs? 
Isn't that silly when all you have to do is stop eating certain things? I have not weighed 140 pounds since I was 42 years old, which was 37 years ago, and just returned from a month in Europe with a 19-year-old neighbor. You've heard me say that I haven't had ice cream or cookies or cake, outside of two occasions when I ate my birthday cake. I have not had pumpkin bread or sausage or bacon since I came home from a public radio convention on the Riverwalk around 2006. I came home at 175 or so pounds. I could not bend over and tie my shoes, so I went cold turkey. But now, at 140 pounds, I'm going to say that enough is enough. I'm not going to continue on the path to skin and bones until some New York City modeling agency man knocks at my door. And the next time, I want you to hear this, are you listening? The next time someone offers to buy me a butterscotch sundae, I'm going to eat it.
upon the humble farmer, and it's time to remind you that, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite station. Thank you again for listening. While I hitch old up into the shade. Even while singing this good old song 65 years ago, probably much lower key, I had no idea of what a shea was. When I went to Sweden in 1960 and heard the boys talk, I very quickly learned what a shea was in Swedish. You hun on snig shea, although I have no idea of how the Swedes spell it. In 1951, I knew that a shea was some kind of buggy that was pulled by a horse, but until I recently downloaded a picture of a shea, I still didn't know that it only had two wheels. Well, while singing this good old song in the morning, I got to thinking how quickly and how often our language changes. In 1865, when my mother's father was five years old, he could have probably told you what a shea was and what it looked like. But when my mother was five years old in 1921, she probably couldn't have done it. I've looked up the word tilbury several times. A tilbury is a light two-wheeled open carriage with two seats used in the 1800s. Must have looked like a shea, I guess. Tilbury Town... Tilbury Town, you've heard of Tilbury Town. Tilbury Town is a fictional American town which serves as the location for many works by my distant cousin, the American poet Edward Arlington Robinson. The small New England village, Tilbury Town, was modeled after Gardner, Maine, where Robinson grew up. I wonder if a Tilbury or a Shea was a special kind of buggy much as some people have sports cars today which are uncomfortable to ride in and very dangerous but make a social statement you know what I'm talking about a shea would have no more utilitarian value than a sports car and you and I know what that is I remember hearing that my neighbor Alfred Hawkins had a very smart horse and some special kind of buggy probably a hundred or so years ago. Now, I don't know if it was the shape and style of the buggy that set him a notch above the others, or if it was the speed or lines of his horse. I seem to remember seeing a picture of Alfred Hawking in that buggy. When I was a kid, you could still see some old men driving a buggy. My, my neighbor, Percy Jones, used to chop alders and bring them home in the back of his buggy and I used to go with him although I was deathly allergic to his mule I probably cried and gasped for air all the time how many other old songs can you think of that have words in them that would have no meaning at all to the young folks today young folks I mean those neighbors of ours who are only 40 or 50 years old Shea, 
Listening to each other. Always nice when people listen to each other when they're playing. We all have pet words. And years ago, whenever I'd look up a word to make sure I'd spelled it correctly, I'd mark the date. I can't spell, could never spell. Very annoying for someone who writes for newspapers not be able to spell. I can show you that old dictionary. In there you will see words with 10 or 15 dates on them. I've had to look them up. I, years ago I looked them up 10, 15 times. Because if you can't spell, you know that the only problem with being unable to spell comes from the words that you can't look up because you can't even come close to the way they're spelled. I always have trouble with Q. Get in the Q, Governor. And this came to mind one day when I tried to spell racket as in the thing you use to pound a tennis ball. In a post on my Facebook page, I spelled racket. R-A-Q-U-E-T. I spelled it three different ways. I got Raquel and racket as in R-A-C-K-E-T. And I got a third suggestion from my spell checker. And there's another option open now, and I will type tennis racket into Google. By that I mean there's another option to find out how to spell it. I type tennis racket into Google and sure enough when I type tennis racket into Google I get tennis R-A-C-Q-U-E-T. My goodness I did have it spelled wrong. <laughs> anyway it looks like racket R-A-C-Q-U-E-T is correct and that although Mark Zuckerberg Who's it's there has earned $33 billion from Facebook. He has not added the word racket to the spell checker in his lucrative creation. Now I thought about this and reasoned out that this is understandable. If you think about this, anyone who has earned $33 billion before they're 30 years old, well, they've probably not had any time for tennis.
Django here on the Humble Farmer where with any luck at all you can hear me playing old fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite station I am the Humble Farmer at gmail.com love to hear from you you know how your words can sometimes be twisted by your friends and your enemies and of course if you're a politician every word you said would be twisted around by your opponents. One of my old and valued friends writes on my Facebook page, Heavy mulch gardening. I am a strident and adherent, and he is violently opposed to it. Poo-poo. I, the humble farmer being he is opposed to it, I am also a strident adherent of mulch. I use grass clippings, however, they are collected in Marsha's rider mower, with a bagger. But years ago, I had the misfortune to use some bales of hay that had been trucked in as stage props for a wedding at which I officiated. And using this hay mulch gave me a crop of grass and weeds the next year, the likes of which I had never seen before or since. So, so I don't use hay. It's impossible to have a garden, you know, unless you do put down mulch unless you're one of the full-time gardeners who tends to her raised beds dressed in a tied-down straw bonnet and unless you wear white gloves. You can see that person. Years ago, I got some old tennis rackets on the dump and I put them on the shelf, you know, in the back window of my Mercedes, knowing I knew that the implication that I had time to play tennis raised my perceived income by $200,000 a year. Now, of course, I realized that all that was unnecessary. I could have achieved the same goal by occasionally mentioning my basil in my raised beds. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
John Dome down in Portland, playing with many of our friends in Portland. One day, I was shocked. No, I was actually horrified when I looked into the wash basin and saw half a dozen hairs in there. Half a dozen. I looked in the wash basin and saw half a dozen hairs in the wash basin about three inches long. I just finished washing my feet. farmer with any luck at all you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite radio station thank you so much for listening if I mentioned this to you before most of what I don't know 
I learned from Fox News. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we see bottom and inside the two sunkers. When straight through the channel the Toslow will go. My name is Robert, they call me Bob Pittman. I sail on the Eno with Skipper Tim Brown. I'm bound to have Dolly or Biddy or Molly as soon as I'm able to plank the cash down. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers when straight through the channel to Toslow will go. Son of a sea cook and a cook and a trader I can dance, I can sing, I can reap the main boom I can handle a jigger and cats a fine figure Whenever I get in a boat standing room We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers When straight through the channel the Tosfoe will go if the voyage is good, then this fall I will do it. I want two pound ten for a ring and the priest. A couple of dollars for clean shirts and collars. And a handful of coppers to make up a feast. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers. When straight through the channel the tarsal will go. House from Catherine Davis, a twenty-pound bed from old Jimmy McGrath. I'll get me a settle, a pot, and a kettle. Then I will be ready for Biddy Hurrah. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below until we see bottom inside the two sunkers. Went straight through the channel to Toslow. We'll go. The girls of Fox Harbor Of Ordon and Crest Crab Is whole and ruly Now let you be jolly Don't be melancholy I can't marry all Or in I'd be We'll rant and we'll roar Like true Newfoundlanders We'll rant and we'll roar On deck and below Until we see bottom Inside the two sunkers And straight through the channel To Toslow we'll go We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers. And straight through the channel to Toslow we'll go. Mm, Dave Rowe and Ed Howe raving and ranting. Well, ranting and roaring, raving and ranting, ranting and roaring. Six one half dozen the other. 
You know that I know enough words to obtain food and shelter in several languages. But I'm not a scientist, so when I see the word emulsify, I have no idea of what emulsify means. Say emulsify to me, and it brings back vague memories of Dick Cash making something out of seaweed that would keep the chocolate from settling in chocolate milk. Dick Cash's kids drank a lot of experimental chocolate milk. But that's all I know, so when I saw emulsify the other day, I looked it up. Now, here's the educational part under No Things Considered on this program. May I repeat, for the edification of us both, the definition of emulsify, are you ready? Emulsify, to disperse a liquid into another liquid with which it is immiscible, making a colloidal suspension. Now we both know.
Django. About time to get out of here. What do we got? A few more minutes. Time for one more, I guess. The email said, oh, I got to thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. The email I got said, she tore, she tore her ACL this summer, but still managed to travel. In France, she proceeded to break her wrist. Well, if you're a parent who has a kid involved in sports, you already know what an ACL is, because your kid's probably already broken it. Because I could never afford to have children, I had to look up ACL to learn that it is a ligament in the knee. If you have an opinion on sports, you should not be surprised to hear that I do too. The man who gave me the garage door that I open every morning, well, he shuffled through life on injured knees. He told me one time that he hobbled because his knee joints had been destroyed playing football in high school. Now, this is neither surprising nor worthy of mention, were it not for the fact that he said that given the chance, he would do it all over again, which still amazes me. Being a spindly, wimpy, bookish little kid, I was always the last one chosen to be on any team if I were tolerated at all. As a result, I was never injured by others. I got to admit, the only time I felt accepted by the group was when I accidentally cut off my right shin bone while chopping down the tree that had eaten my kite. And here he is, Mr. Mel Torme. When you feel as low as the bottom of a well Can't get out of that mood Do something to perk yourself up Change your attitude Give a tug to your tie Put a crease in your pants But if you really want to feel fine Give your shoes a shine When there's a shine on your shoes There's a melody in your heart With a singable happy feeling A wonderful way to start Greet the world every day With a deedle dum die 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 Little melody that is making The worrying world go by When you walk down the street With a happy-go-lucky beat You'll find a lot in what I'm repeating When you think it's a gunshot on your shoes There's a melody in your heart What a wonderful way to start the day Now there's a shine that you get in the barber shop There's a shine that you get in the Pullman car There's a shine that you get in the schoolroom there's a shine that you get in the pool room. Oh, do, 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 do. 
It doesn't matter where you get it It'll do a lot of good if you let it A little bit of polish will abolish what's bothering you When there's a shine, yeah A melody in your heart Or a singable happy feeling Wonderful to greet the world With a dee-da-dum-da-da-da Little melody that is making The worrying world go by When you walk down the street With a happy-go-lucky beat You'll find a lot in what I'm repeating When there's a shine on your shoes A melody in your heart Wonderful way to start the day Shine them in the pool room, shine them in the school room Shine them in the morning, shine them in the evening Shine them in the summer and the winter too You'll lose your blues when there's a shine, 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 shine When there's a shine, 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 When there's a shine Mel Tobey, do I have time to read this last rant? When I was a young man of forty, Mrs. Ditchie, who was probably eighty, made me chicken soup, and it was the best chicken soup I've ever had. And if I could locate one of Mrs. Ditchett's granddaughters, I'd ask her if she had preserved Mrs. Ditchett's recipe for chicken soup. If you've ever wanted a recipe for something good you ate years ago, you know what I'm talking about. One day I chanced to remember that Dickie, who lived in a town called Campin in Holland, could make... I remember that Dickie could make good chicken soup, so I wrote and asked Dickie for it. And Dickie started off by saying, Oh, this is easy to make easy to make. And it looked simple till I got to line six. When I got to line six, it said, when it's almost cooked, turn the flame down low. And this is how women manage to do dominate the kitchen. They won't say put two quarts of water on a three-quart pan and boil the chicken for 27 minutes at 250 degrees. You know, add 17 seconds for every hundred feet above sea level. Whenever Mary Webb would drop off two mackerel for me back when I was a bachelor, I'd call Gladys next door for instruction. Now, Gladys had lived with and around fishermen in St. George for 80 years. Gladys knew more about cooking than anybody. But when I'd ask Gladys how long I should boil the mackerel, Gladys would say, until they're done. I'd say, how can I tell when they're done? And Gladys would say, you can tell.